Hello and welcome to On the Horizon podcast. We're an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-oriented church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. And we are recording today at Dean Studios. Thanks, Bryce. Today, we are going to be chatting with Ryan and Kira Casey. Ryan's one of the co-pastors at Horizon Church, and his wife, Kira, is on the prayer team and leadership. And together, they lead a link group, which is what we call our small groups at Horizon. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hey. Hey. Good to see you, Beth. (laughs) So we thought we'd start out by you telling us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll get into more, because I am hoping everyone will learn to know and love you as much as I do. (laughs) So ladies first, Kira, I know you're from Oregon. That's right, yeah. So I have been in Maryland now for a little over two years, um, but I grew up in Oregon. And my name is Kira. Because <laughs> I, I, we're going to say more later. So okay. Well, you, <laughs> don't know what to do. Is that a teaser? <laughs> you're a and teacher. You're you can a tell teacher, what you do. Right? <laughs> yeah, so I teach in, in the city at a school called Baltimore International Academy. Um, I've been there for, this is my third year, and I teach fifth grade English language arts, and it's, yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Good, good, that's great, and I know how hard that is. Yes, <laughs> it has its challenges, and so its th- rewards. Thank you for coming on a Friday night after a long week. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. So, Ryan, I know Philly, all things Philly, All right? things Philly, yes, huge Eagles fan, huge Sixers fan. Um, the dirty secret is that I was not born in Philadelphia. I was oh, I born in Indiana. Yeah. Really? And moved to Philadelphia when I was five. So uh, everything I remember and have ingrained in my heart and my soul is very Philly. But uh, but I'm not actually a Philadelphian by blood. Um, so, yes. But um, I went to Messiah College and then moved down here a few years after college, I think when I was 25. So I've been in Maryland for about 13 years, and I have coming up on my 11th year at Horizon Church on staff. Wow. So 12, 12 years of being at the church, 11 on staff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you, how did you become a pastor? Is that what you wanted to yeah. be when you grew up, when you were little? <laughs> That's a great question. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew a lot of things I didn't want to do. Um, and so I, I didn't have a, a dream or a plan of what I wanted my life to be. I remember um, inter- like doing a mentorship my senior year of high school as a teacher because I thought maybe I want to teach. And I remember doing that for about a day and being like, I hated school so much. <laughs> Why would I want to spend one more day in one? Like, and so uh, that, it was good for me to do the mentorship because it ruled that out. But my senior year, I got involved with – I was very involved with Young Life at that point. And uh, I remember inviting some younger guys to camp, and they actually went for some weird reason – and a couple of them met the Lord, and I got to, like, spend time with them, kind of teaching them what it meant to follow Christ. And this had just happened to me a few years ago, and I had been discipled. And something in me came alive. I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do for, like, a living, but I wanted to invest in people like that. And so I went to school for, like, a ministry degree, almost because I couldn't think of anything else that wouldn't, you know, dr- drive me nuts a little bit. Um, but I really just thought I'd work for Young Life. You know, I, I always thought I'd work for Young Life. I never imagined... Working in a church, in my in my mind, churches were too, like, big and bulky and structurally, and they had meetings all the time, and none of that sounded even remotely interesting to me. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I'd never imagined I would be a pastor, but I did see myself wanting to, like, pour my life into other people from about the time I was a senior in high school. So, with Young Life, your favorite part was the relational Absolutely. part of it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, my friendships in high school, I had some great 
um, friends in high school and most of them weren't Christians, you know, like, um, and, and actually I was invited to Young Life by non-Christians, which was really cool for me. And it, like, we had known each other our whole lives, but like, um, there was a depth that entered our life when we started talking about things that mattered. And I think for a lot of guys, they go through most of their life without really getting to those parts. And so we, we had, and like, and all of a sudden this, it, it built this rich community that I just crave the rest of my life. You know, I wanted to be a part of that and I wanted to help create that. So what part of young life prepared you to be pastor at Horizon? <laughs> That's a great question. I remember ex- describing to someone that I felt like Horizon was like young life for adults, like when I first kind of got involved. Um, because it was very, very relationally driven, it was outward focused. It was about the people who aren't here yet, which, again, was something that was really important to me. I have a, very much like an evangelist heart. I want people to know the Lord. Um, and so I think it, the, the Horizon had a very similar approach to that, but they just did life together in a really good way. And when I came to Horizon at 25, I, I had gotten what I wanted mission-wise out of Young Life, but I was lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I came to Horizon in just a very lonely place. Like, everybody in my life, to some degree, by the time I, was, I turned 25, most of those people were around me because of Young Life. Now, I had some good friends, but they were all involved in Young Life, too. So I felt like I had very few, like, relationships that I wasn't, like, in charge of to some to some degree. And I and I was, I was just in a really lonely place. I remember wanting to go to like more of a, a city and be around people my own age and just have people to hang out with on a Friday night. That was like a real deep cry of my heart. Like um, I was getting, yeah, I could do the mission, but I didn't want to do the mission alone. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, did, so did you come, did, did you just attend Horizon so, yeah. at first or did you come with the, to Baltimore intending to, to yeah. work there? No, I definitely didn't. I, I, I vaguely knew that Horizon existed. Mm. And the reason I vaguely knew that Horizon existed is because Mark and I were roommates together for one semester in college, um, and we kind of kept in touch. And so I picked someone up from the airport at BWI once and just remembered that Mark lived around there, and I met him for lunch. And he I was just getting hired by Horizon, didn't even know much about it yet. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, and so I knew it existed. And so when I moved to Baltimore, I actually came to Baltimore to be a part of like a discipleship program with Pat Goodman, who's oh, been a real okay. a mentor to me. And right. that's like why I moved to Baltimore. I didn't have any vision beyond that. Was I, I just wanted to be poured into by this guy, and I had some good friends down there in Baltimore. And I, So Pat Goodman's a young life guy here in Baltimore and mm-hmm. um, associated with Grace Fellowship Church. Absolutely. Right. Incredible man. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's great. Yeah. So did Mark approach you about... No, so when I when I when I came to town, I remembered I should look up Mark again. I'm living here now. Right. And Mark and I met at the Chipotle, not too far from here, like a stone's throw from Dean Studios here, and uh, and he described to me the vision of Horizon, and I just I loved what he was saying, and and so like I just I'm like man, that's so cool that a church wants to be what this church is, okay. and then I showed up on Sunday, and I I mean this not in a critical way at all. I realized how much room to grow there. What they were like what they wanted to be. There was a lot of room to go to get to what they wanted to be. And for some reason that didn't intimidate me even remotely. It like captivated me a little bit because, you know, I, I love Pat and I went to Grace once or twice. And I, and I, I thought like if I'm around Baltimore, I could hide in the shadows here for the next six months. Sure. And then I kind of went to Horizon and I said the things that they want to be better at, like, I think I do those things fairly well. So, like, I think I, I could actually contribute in the short. And, you know, I was in Baltimore to, like, take a rest from ministry. But that isn't really my personality. So, like, you know, I immediately kind of got wanted to get engaged, and I started attending a small group. And by 
I think four months later, the the request was on the table if I wanted to help lead a small group, and that was like that you know a link group as we call them. And so um, that it was very quickly that I kind of got integrated in that. But there wasn't any money in the picture to hire. Mark from the from the minute I came. I guess knew why my skill sets matched well with his skill sets. Mm-hmm. And so he had this dream, but the dream was very far from like a, a possible reality. So like I, I wasn't like staying because I, I thought there was a guaranteed job in the picture. I kind of fell in love with horizon. And, and even though I never imagined working at a church, I was like, if the opportunity comes, I could see myself working at this church. And horizon was in a theater at the time. Yeah, We were right? meeting in a movie theater at the time. That's right. Yeah. And like about how many people at that point, Gosh, uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I would say 50 to 60, maybe. And, okay. and, and But of those people, there was a lot of turnover even in the time. You know, it was a very young, transient church at that time. So, yeah. So at what point did they say, we want you on staff? So um, there was a leadership meeting that I was asked to attend because I, I would join leadership and I became a link group leader. And uh, and they asked me to come half an hour late. <laughs> and I kind of knew what they were talking about. Oh, but okay. uh, but I, I didn't, I you know... It was, it was weird. I remember getting there and like sitting on the front porch, just like waiting to come in whenever whenever they were ready to have me. And so uh, and so they had me come in and, and, and several of the leaders. Apparently, it was, it was a unanimous decision. One thing you learn about Horizon is they only make decisions unanimously. So like they don't like uh, they don't vote. So like they all had decided that like that they thought I would be like a really good addition to the staff team. Right. That Mark and I would be a really good pair together. I remember getting grilled um, because I knew this was decision was kind of grilled by a couple of leaders about like, uh, you know, how Mark and I function together. Like, you know, if I'm, you know, just they, uh, some of those who didn't know me super well had like a lot of like good, ha- had a lot of good questions mm-hmm. to ask. Um, but I, I think the, the, the offer was on the table, the offer um, a year before they could financially do it. So like, um, so like, or something like that. It might've been six months before they could financially do it. Sure. And even when we financially took that leap, there was a good chance it wasn't going to last for like the first year. I think my hiring me almost sank the church. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So how many years ago was that? Gosh, it was January of 2008. January. Is that right? No, 2007. It would have been January 2007. I think they got hired. So um i Almost 12 years. Is that right? Or is it 2008? It must have been 2008. Sorry. So almost 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. But, you know, a lot of people kind of say that they might have been, like, working the job before they were getting paid. But I think I was truly working the job before. I was right. I was preaching a couple times a month already. So you were already preaching I was before. preaching. <laughs> I was leading a small group. I had started a college ministry with Sarah Gorman. Um, okay. And, like, uh, so, like, we were doing a lot. You right. Know? And, I was, and I was meeting people for lunch at my break from my other jobs, like, as often as I could. So... There was a lot. It was a pretty seamless transition. Right. And I still remember Jen Stevenson saying, like, um, when I asked her what would the job description be, she literally said, we want you to do what you're doing. Just do more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I can do that. <laughs> so has do you feel like your job has changed a lot? Or yeah. Mini- I should say ministry. That's yeah. a job and yeah, ministry. Yeah. <laughs> but has it changed a lot or? Hmm. Yeah, I'd say yes and no. I mean, the core pieces of what I'm passionate about doing are still there and there's still a lot of freedom to do like what I feel passionate about. Like, I mean, you know, the three of us, Kira, Beth and I had a conversations about podcasts that right. really Kira had this idea. And before you know it, the church has given me, given us a lot of freedom to start this thing, you know? So like, uh, you know, not many people get to say, I kind of want to do this thing. Or I feel passionate about it. And their job says, all right, go do it. You know? Right. So there's a lot of freedom within that. The one thing I would say is that there's a lot more like, 
you know, like, like as the as the family's gotten bigger, the house chores have 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 st- have sure. stacked up, and and a lot of that falls on the one person who's you know, the one or two people who are paid to be doing that that stuff. So like, I'd say like that's the one thing I'd say that has changed the most about the job, and the the issues that people in our church are dealing with have have gotten more extensive in the sense that like. It used to be most people were of a single age group demographic, right? Struggling with like finances, college, you know, like just you know. Now we have you know everything, everything from like kids and all the problems that come with having kids, you know, to uh, marriages that are great and marriages that are struggling, and you know all the things that come with marriage, and and you know just there's a whole host of things, even dealing with like the death of family members, and mm, right. those weren't things we were dealing with early on at Horizon, so. Right. So you've grown into the yeah. <laughs> into the job and the responsibilities and Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanna make sure we get Kira in here of soon. Yeah. Um so how did you guys meet? We actually met online. So we were both on eHarmony. Mm-hmm. And uh Okay, so he reached out to me on eHarmony, and this was when I was still living in China. Where she I, spurned me for a year. Don't let her tell you differently. <laughs> I spurned everybody. It was an awkward experience to be. It was my first like foray into online dating. Sure. And it was just like overwhelming and kind of like a bizarre feeling because it's like shopping online but for dudes. So it was <laughs> kind of awkward. So anybody who re- I I didn't respond to anybody. Um, yeah, because I just thought okay. Maybe this isn't for me, so I just kind of shut it down for the time. Um, But then about a year later, I had moved back to the States, and I was finishing up a grad school program, and I decided to try it again. And so he reached out again, and at that time I did respond to him, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. So, Brian, what was it about her profile that caught your eye? Yeah, well, I mean, she's ridiculously cute, so that helped. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I mean, she really talked honestly about her life and her faith on her profile, and I I think... Um, you know, it's funny, I, I won't get into all of it, but it, it was, I, I figured there's a shot that she wasn't really paying attention much to like, to the, like the first initial message. Cause she didn't like close it or end the conversation. She just never responded. So like, because we were still technically in an open conversation, I okay. could see the updates that she was making. So it looked like she had finally become active again. And so I, I took one more shot and sent like a more, Instead of, like, the little standard things, I sent, like, a more direct email about what impressed me about her. And so, I mean, her heart for the Lord really shone through pretty quickly in the the passion that she had for things. And her her response email was very in-depth and uh, didn't waste any time beating around the bush, which I actually really <laughs> appreciated. Sure. Yeah. yeah, we were, like, I was, what, 33? You were 35? Yeah, something like that. So we were not trying to waste time at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me why – so at first you were in China when you first went on and – Yes. Tell me tell me why you were in China. So I went to China in 2011, and I signed a contract to teach English as a foreign language at a university for a year. And um, I had intended to stay just for a year. And it was something that I kind of felt the Lord was calling me to do. It was a mix of, like, practical, kind of a practical need, as well as a feeling of this is what I think, this is the door I think the Lord is opening for me. So... I graduated in, I think it was 2009 with my undergrad, I think, with, uh, the the recession was really bad in the area where I was living, and so they were, like, not hiring teachers, and it was bad enough that they were actually, like, cutting the school week down to four days, like, it was really bad. Oh my goodness, okay. So I was going back to being a barista, which I'd done, like, you know, forever, working through college, and I just was looking at what other options might be, and, um... It ended up being kind of like seeming like a viable option. So I actually took a summer, and that's what sort of like, I that was my first 
you know, experience with Asia. And that was a really neat opportunity. This was actually a ministry that that trains couples from China who want to be missionaries to the Middle East. Okay. So it's nice kind of like cross-cultural training ground because if you're coming out of a small town or even a city in, in China, it's not likely that you've necessarily talked to, to too many Muslim people. You're very used to Chinese food. You're just, you know, you're used to your way of life. But if you're going to be like living in Oman, for example, that would be a major shock. So what this ministry did was it helped the couples who would be launching into the Middle East to first of all be solid in their own relationship and just clarified in their goals and then just you know experiencing things that are like mildly uncomfortable but again you're still somewhat familiar there's still a large Chinese population there um, so they needed an English teacher for the summer and so I was able to fill that role and I realized I really enjoyed teaching English as a foreign language and also just working with Chinese students they're just just really fun people to work with so uh, that got me thinking more long term and that's how China opened. Had had you had much cross-cultural experience before or was this new for you too? Um, I actually had good friends that had taught in China like 10 years previous and they told me stories, none of which sounded appealing on any level. Like I had like zero heart for China. Um, or really Asia in general, I just had never thought about that. So, mm -hmm. but like, you know, being in a committed, like being committed to the church, there'd been people who had, you know, done missions abroad and you know I've heard about these stories people come and visit and so so yes but never nobody from my family had that actually that is not true and I'm segueing into a bizarre thing <laughs> my dad <laughs> randomly in connection to his job had visited which didn't occur to me until a few years later but but it, it, in totally non-ministry capacity he had gone to, to to set up a plant related to his work so anyways but in general, no. That, that was something that was really dropped in my lap. Like, looking back, it was something that the Lord definitely engineered and something that really fit. But it was never anything I would have, like, conceived of on my own. Do you have... So so then you transitioned to Canada... Uh, not Canada, China. Yes. For two years? Three years. Three years. Three years, yeah. So what takeaways did you come home with from being there? I mean, it is just so foreign. So, uh, okay. So I lived in a capital city of about 5 million people, but it was not at all international. So it's not like you can sort of fudge around with English. When I went there, I had pretty much no Mandarin, which I would not recommend doing. Um, I was like a helpless baby. Sure. So anything that I, I think wanted I'd be afraid to leave the, yeah. And like I was living. when you go to get food, you're like, okay, if I can point to it, then I can eat it. But if I can't, I can't, I can't communicate. Um, Chinese, of course, is a character-based language, so it's not like you can sound out a word. And it's also tonal. So even if you do, if you like knew the syllables to say, if you don't say it at the right tone, you're like not intelligible. So the language barrier was really difficult. Um, but I was living in a community with other believers who had similar kind of focus. They were either other English teachers okay. or they were doing translation work. And so they were, I had a lot of support in that way, but, um, you just re like flexibility. You just learn mm -hmm. to be flexible because sure. you just realize that, you know, when you go out to the store, you kind of have like an idea of your mind of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know that I can approach a counter. I know that I can give my money and I'm going to get change back. And there's just, you don't waste mental energy wondering what will happen. You're just sort of on autopilot and you have so many 
moments in your life when you do that. You have like a schema of what's normal and this is how it's going to happen. But uh, when you're in a foreign environment, your schema just is like not totally screwed up because it's a modern, you know, it's a modern nation modernizing. Of course. But it's different enough that you're always off balance and you're mm-hmm. always reconsidering your own assumptions about normal normality and mm-hmm. life and right. being presented with like alternate options. And so, I don't know, you just kind of come away like understanding more about yourself and your own assumptions and your beliefs and maybe even like being able to articulate them more because you have thought through them and you've had to explain them to somebody who's not on the same page as you. And then also just reconsidering what you actually do believe and think is right. So I was really thankful for that opportunity. I think it makes made me as, just a much more flexible person ready to take on challenges with a more, I don't know, deta- no, I don't want to say detached, but just mm, flexibility. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to say well, it. Other it makes than sense because yeah. food, would, even if you could point at the food, I don't know if I'd know what it was. Yeah. yeah so you also did eat. you eat any crazy things? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you know, purposefully to try it, and then other times because you're like, well, somebody just put a lung on my plate, and I guess <laughs> I just have to eat it because I'm <laughs> receiving somebody's hospitality. Sure. So I did. You know, that was. The whole I can only eat what I can point to was my experience probably for the first like couple of months. And then I did, you know, I, I took classes. I learned some. You did pick up the language. Like. I mean, a little bit. It's really tough. But I was able to get around. I was able to talk to a cab driver, like explain, you know, to a lot, a lot of curious people where I was from. Just like basic stuff like that. Right. Order food, which was very right. helpful. <laughs> yeah. So what made you decide to come back to the States? Well, I kind of got to a place where I thought, like, okay, I've been here three years. I'm 30. I can't remember. I was, like, 31 or 32. And and then with the language piece, it's like I either have to stop working and just study full-time for, like, a year and, and get proficient and decide that I really want to be here, or I need to think about long-term what it is I'm going to do. And I never had wanted to live full-time, like, you know, long-term in China. I was just sort of there because it fell into my lap. So I, I knew that I liked to teach. I knew I wanted to continue teaching. I had a bachelor's degree at that time, but no license. Oregon licenses teachers at, at the master's level. So I knew that if I wanted to get a license and work somewhere outside of Asia, I would have to get a license. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go back to grad school. I'll get a license. And then my plan was to go to like an oil-rich country <laughs> so I could pay down the debt that I incurred <laughs> in the master's gotcha. program. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Saudi Arabia. And I'm going to live on a compound for a year. I'm going to pay down my debt. Pay it all off. So I had, I had this grand plan. And then I met Ryan. And then I did <laughs> not go breaker. to the Middle <laughs> So what was about Ryan's profile or his text or email to you that you responded? Well, I, he, he had reached out. And I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was friendly and engaging. But I also noticed that he was a pastor. And so I Is was that like... good or scary? Well, it was like, he just needs to know a few things. Because, <laughs> so, again, we're older. We're not looking to, like, get involved in games or, you right. know, just... Casually date from Maryland to Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> right. Fly That's back the other thing. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to, like, uh, tell this guy some things that I'm about and I'm going to lay it out and if we'll just see what happens. So basically I was like, you know, I, what, what type of partner are you looking for? Because I do have a, a full-time job. 
Um, I can't lead a choir, and I also don't play the piano. <laughs> you don't play so the I organ. Don't, yeah, I don't really know. You know, I didn't know anything about Horizon. Right. <laughs> so I just sort of put that out there, and it was pretty no-nonsense. And I was – he uh, – it's not like he, he took it in the sense of, like, it was nasty or anything no, like that. Uh, but but he, like, responded thoughtfully and with really, like, intriguing – Responses. I don't know. I liked what I was hearing. <laughs> so I wanted to know more about his community and also his perspective on ministry. So the funny thing about online dating is it's almost reverse of like normal dating where you start off with fun, lighthearted things. And then as your relationship progresses, you go deeper um, with online dating with us. At least it was it was the flip. It was right. like, OK, what matters to you? Yeah. Um, tell me about your view of God and the yeah. purpose of life. And then, like, you know, go you deep flip. first. Yeah. yeah so then, I, I like And then have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I remember when I first, like, visit around each other. I was like, I hope we can have fun together. Right. <laughs> like, we've had these profoundly deep conversations for, right. like, a month. Like, I hope we can just hang out well. You know, like, we hadn't, we didn't have that answered yet. Yeah. Mm. So at what point you, did you, Ryan, fly out there first? So, yeah. I, at what point did you actually <laughs> see each other? I Hi. actually flew out to Baltimore first. Yeah. Oh, okay. To be fair, I had already bought tickets for the end of September, but it felt so far away by the time. Like, we started talking in the beginning of August. And about three weeks in, that felt like for, you know, maybe two weeks in, three weeks in, we decided that the first time she'd be free would be end of September. And so I bought the tickets. But then that started to feel like, and we were talking every night for like right. an hour and a half. It's like, are we really going to wait two months to even it's, see each yeah, other in person? Yeah, that would feel like a long time. So I had been keeping my eye on <laughs> Labor Day weekend as, you know, because she wasn't sure. She just got this new job. Right. She wasn't sure if they gave her like a three-day weekend or a four-day weekend. But, for you know, this is, I feel like miraculous because every other time in our dating history, the flights would like skyrocket up if we waited too long. But these flights just stayed at the exact price they were for Labor Day weekend. And so about a week before Labor Day weekend, she found out she had a four-day weekend. And I said, this may sound crazy, but, like, would you be willing to come to Maryland? Partly because I think the first time that she would ever get to see Maryland would be, like, Thanksgiving. And no offense to all Marylanders who love the winter here, but I think Maryland is, like, beautiful in the spring and fall and summer and a hellscape in the, in the dead of winter. So I was like, she's never going to even consider coming to Maryland if she only sees Maryland in the winter. Right. So like, uh, I wanted her to go like hiking with me and see like the, sure. like how beautiful Maryland can be. Um, so, so coming out at that time was interesting because he had just bought his house. That's right. And he was having the, a house. The one you're in now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was having a housewarming party. So it was like, oh, man. I met Ryan and then like, like you're in a 50 of his yeah. closest friends. <laughs> it was actually good because when you're online dating, it's easy to put up a front and be the person that you wish you were or right. that you believe the other person wants to see. And um, even though you try to use your, your, you know, you try to fish through that as you're talking and, and see through any front that might be there, which in Ryan's case, I didn't sense there was. But you can't really play games in front of 50 of your, of your community <laughs> members. So I got to see him in the context of the people who know him. And yeah. so it w really like confirmed the things that I thought were true about him, which were that he is a good guy. <laughs> he is a good guy. Well, thanks. Yeah. I and were that. you nervous about everybody meeting her were you so excited I know she was a little bit more of an introvert and I and I was a little bit worried that she would just feel swarmed and overwhelmed by my life and it it was it was this weird balance of like I was really excited about Kira and so I wanted people to meet her right but I didn't want her to feel like she had to like be put on the spot with like 30 people but she did she got put on the spot um so um, she came to church, she experienced that, and she experienced this housewarming party all in like one day but I think we had a couple days to hang out and hike and just kind of Spend yeah. time hanging around each other before that. 
So, like, uh, there was definitely... I was definitely nervous about, like, the pressure that she might feel under. But she handled it with a, a, an incredible amount of grace, especially I'm because... Sure. She got, we, I took her on a hike where we got a, a swarmed by bees, and oh she no. was stung like five or six times. <laughs> yeah. And oh, she, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's the true story. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> bee attack. Yeah, absolute bee attack. Wow. And Turned so it was a year later that you got married? Yeah. yeah. About a year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we started talking in August, and then the next July, at the end, very end of the next July was almost our wedding t- day. Almost a year Almost later. a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of miles back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was not cheap. <laughs> so you got here, and you, now you're teaching in the city? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got the job at Baltimore International Academy um, that first October, you know, after I'd moved here. So I'd been here a couple of months. And the intention was to kind of sub to get my bearings and without having to worry about setting up a classroom and doing all that. But a job had opened up... Um, at this school and I had applied for it, they offered it to me. And I just thought it was really unique because this school is a language immersion school and they offer um, immersion education in five different languages. And the acronym is SCARF. So they offer Spanish, Chinese, Arabic, Russian, and French. And the, the population is all just regular kids from the city, Baltimore City kids. So they're not, you know, they're fluent native English speakers, but they learn all day in a target language. Um, they hired me as an English teacher, so they spend an hour a day with me learning, you know, developing their English skills before they go back and continue on with Chinese right. or whatever. It was so unique and, like, um, well-suited to my interest because I, I really had... Say, it sounds ideal for you. Yeah, that passion for international, you know, right. working with international kids. Um, so I, I took it, and I, and again, it was one of those things where, like, it sort of fell into my lap to go to China... It ended up being something that was really a good fit that I never would have dreamed of. Same, kind of same deal with this school. I did. I feel like I just sort of stumbled into it. I was like, "Oh well, I feel like I'm ready to work." They offered me a job. I guess I'll just do it. But I had, you know, I didn't have a plan for that or anything. But but it turned out to be a really good fit for me. And and so I, you know, it was just another way that the Lord provided for me and knew what was coming next, even though I didn't know. So I love that. Yeah. So. Me too. You guys got married, and uh, you started working and became a pastor's wife <laughs> and link group and all of that stuff. So tell me, and either one of you can answer this question, um, How did maybe Ryan, how did it change for you to be married? Because uh, you were available. Yeah. You made yourself available like 24-7. Yeah. So was that tough to you? That was probably the biggest adjustment was um... – I mean, when, when I used to say, like, I, I had, like, meetings every night, that doesn't even quite sum it up. I would have, like, two to three meetings a night. Like, I would meet somebody for dinner, go to a meeting from there, and then sometimes even hang out with somebody after that. So, like, all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to, like, carve out nights to be, like, a married man. <laughs> yeah, like, and even when I was dating Kira, that didn't change because we had an hour of FaceTime, and that was, like, it was three hours earlier, so I could do that at 10 o'clock at right? night. Oh, sure. And it was 7 o'clock for her. And so we'd have these conversations at the end of my long mm-hmm. night. It wasn't even um, – it was so, like, so it was a big adjustment to just try to rethink how can I be more productive in the day? How can I meet more people in mornings? How can I – and how do I say no to certain things? That was a big change for me. Do you feel like it's given you more balance? Or are you still trying to figure that out? Yeah, I, I do think um, – I think there's been better times that I kind of protect things. I, um, 
yeah, I guess there's still parts of it that I'm trying to figure out. I think the pressure I feel like is like, how do I, am I doing my job well? And am I being married well? Like, I, and I think that's like a, a kind of a, a tension that kind of pushes and pulls in different seasons, I feel like. Right. I, I heard somebody recently who's in ministry talk about balance, hmm. that that's not possible. Right. To, to always yeah. have things in equal balance. Right. But there's seasons where exactly different pieces get more of you than, than others. That's right. Which is hard. Yeah. yeah. So, Kira, what is the best and the hardest thing about being a pastor's mm-hmm. wife? Um, well, I, uh, okay. At Horizon, pastor's wife is not a role. I think in some denominations that comes with expectations about um, a ministry role or something like that. What I appreciate about Horizon that is that it's, I just get to be like a normal human, which I, I like. Um, <laughs> I came to Horizon. I, I never got to check out Horizon as just like an anonymous person because I came as somebody who's dating Ryan. So right away, people were very welcoming. But they're also interested in me and, you know, and so again, it wasn't like I sort of got to casually weave my way into the community. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I appreciate about Horizon is that I do feel that they've allowed me to just be me and without putting expectations on me. And um, and I've I've appreciated that a lot. Uh, I enjoy ministering with Ryan. We... Mm -hmm. I really enjoy counseling people with him. Yeah, tell me, what, what do you guys get to do together? Yeah, Horizon? yeah, we get to do premarital counseling with with people. And then also sometimes people will come with, like, a stress issue or family issue, you know, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I really like being a part of that, like a counseling session. I enjoy watching Ryan counsel he's actually very no, i shouldn't say actually very wise <laughs> surprising <laughs> to everyone <laughs> to everyone's surprise no he's very wise and he'll come out with these things i just you know because i'm sitting back and somebody will come out with something i'll be like oh i wouldn't know what to say and then he'll come out with something that's very useful and compassionate and i'm just taking notes i'm going hmm well, very thanks. well done sir it's funny, a lot of people who used to just ask if I could meet, like, want Kira to be there, like, mm-hmm. obviously, because she's got so much depth and insight, and, and that's both, like, a joy and a, oh, when are we going to fit that in if we do it together? Like, because our, our calendars are so tough as it is, so it's like, uh, yeah. I, like, love doing it with her. I just wish we had, like, two extra nights a week so we could do that more often. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like our skills are very, like, complementary. Yeah, we're that's very We're true. strong and, I mean, we're very different, but, So, you know, so tell me about that. Like, hmm. what, what are your, what would you say are Ryan's strengths? And then, Ryan, you can tell me what you think Kira's are. Well, he's very <laughs> personable. So he's, you know, never met a stranger. I feel <laughs> like he has a gift of making people feel welcome. Um, he will just walk right up to a stranger. He can s- start a conversation, help them feel at home. And uh, he's just very compassionate. He's very wise, um, yeah, I think his major gifting is like relational, mm. navigating relationships. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. I think Kira's got really profound insights. And I feel like a lot of times it's just she really hears from the Lord well. And I think when she's, pr- it's funny, like whenever like we're closing and praying for someone, I like want Kira to pray for them more than I want to pray for them just mm-hmm. because I feel like she's going to sense something or pick up on something that's like an unspoken hurt or, or need that they have because she's just so in tune with the Lord and how she kind of 
that how she like, approaches that and the person usually is like wow that just meant a lot to me like when Kira spends time like so I think uh, just like my strengths were maybe more like working a group like you really Kira shines one on one or in that small setting like where they get to really kind of like appreciate the depth of what she brings to that setting but she's she's got a lot of wisdom she's good at um, yeah she's just very very discerning I love that. What what do you wish people knew about her that you don't think they know? Um, I mean, I'd say, like, I, I don't think people realize, I don't know if it's artistic or creative or what I would say with this. She's got, like, a, a creative energy to her. I, I joke about this, but I'm not, I'm serious. She's way more handy and crafty than I am. Like, she tiled our fireplace, and I would not have been able to do Ooh, that. Oh, that's like, impressive. Yeah. But she I'm also, impressed. Yeah, but she's, she's a really strong writer. Like, she writes really mm-hmm. well, and, and it has, like, a... I, I've always been really impressed by the way she words things. She is quite the wordsmith. So there's this creative, like artistic side to her that um, most people wouldn't know because it doesn't have like a natural expression in relationship. You know, you have to kind of like n- like be around her in that setting to kind of see those things come out. Oh, thanks. Sure. And what would you say? You know, people. We feel like we all know Ryan because <laughs> he's been we we've known him for ten years <laughs> or more. What do you think we? don't know about him that you wish we knew about him i was thinking about this because this is a tricky question (laughs) because he is very fraud (laughs) (laughs) listen what you think you know (laughs) no he uh he's he's very transparent which i think is his strength is another strength as a leader because who he is publicly i mean he really he really just makes his wounding and his strength and everything Mm -hmm. just available he he really is who he comes across as um, but I will say maybe he is actually he's mellower at home. So when you're one on one with him and it's not a crowd, he is he mellows out. He's <laughs> very energetic in a he's energized by groups. So when he's in a group he's okay. At high sense. energy. But he does he <laughs> chills out. It's it's very true. I've never had somebody point it out, but it's very true. Like I right. like I I don't like a lot of noise at home. Like if something's really loud or something. I'm not, yeah, I, I think when you think of someone who tries to be or acts a little bit like in yeah, the life of the true. party they usually are pretty loud all the time like i've lived with people like that and they're loud all the time right i am not loud when i'm not like when it's not a loud environment like right. in, in any way mm-hmm. so what do you guys do for fun together like mm-hmm. do you like to cook or go out <laughs> or watch movies what do you guys we enjoy? do watch shows yeah. we also like to go hiking yeah um we like to travel that's that's something. That's we probably the biggest thing enjoy. we both really love, and, yeah. and we, we like walks. I think we go for walks, like yeah. with the dogs or without the dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we do. We do. Normally she cooks, but every once in a while we like we'll make something like, especially grilling season. I'm grilling mm-hmm. on the deck, and she's making and something inside, and we kind of put it all together. Yeah. And we do like to go to restaurants. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I'd say the one that overlaps the most is probably Iron Horse Tavern. It's because yeah. you know it's not even because the foods that it's just it's an ambiance thing. We just really like it's kind of out in the woods, it's kind of like a pub atmosphere, the pub atmosphere right? out in the woods, and we both kind of really and they they make their menus seasonal. So like there's like you know I feel like you can get something that's like, yeah, you know pot pie in the in the in the winter and then something kind of like you know fish and like and stuff. But, you know it just mixes it up. So like we kind of like that. Yeah, we try to go once a season, but it probably doesn't. It's not that often. So that sounds great. You guys said you like to travel. Mm-hmm. So I know you went to the Middle East last summer. Yeah. Tell me a little <laughs> bit, um, maybe Ryan, why you why you went? Yeah. And then what you guys learned, what you loved, what was 
terrible. <laughs> yeah, so we both wanted to make a goal of the season of our life before we had kids was to prioritize travel. Um, we were old enough that, like, we, like, like you know, like, we, we had, we're at a place in our career where we have a money to travel if we really prioritize it. We had to cut other things, but that was something that we really wanted to do. So we've made that an ambition of ours, and this was probably the most ambitious undertaking because it was, uh, and it was, the door opened because we were given a sabbatical from Horizon, and so having, like, a six-week window, um, I've always wanted to go to Israel. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to, like, experience Jesus in that way. I think just being the places that Jesus was, um, letting it bring it to life in a different way. And I wanted to go with like a tour group where we could really learn from somebody who really knew their stuff. And so we weren't kind of like just guessing what might've happened at this place. Um, and so that's why we did it. And then uh, what were the other questions? Like, what did you, what surprised you about <laughs> it? Were you, was there yeah. anything that surprised you about being there? I think it surprised how much it put things in context for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, so it really it, did yeah. change. It how really you did change scripture. my perspective of things, and and I and it's funny, you know, as someone who's taught scripture for like a long time, and it's like, I still, I, I it's a discipline to not glaze over when it says where they were when this happened. You know what I mean? Like, um, sure. But I, I don't think I'll ever glaze over that again. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like um, because having a visualization and experiencing what that might have been like and what it was like, I think it's just it puts things in such a different context to me. So that was really powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same. Going into it, I I thought, you know, how much could it really change your view? Like, you're out in, in a desert landscape seeing a ruin, which looked nothing like it did back in the day. And culturally, everything has totally changed around it. Like, how could that really shift my perspective on the Bible? But um, it, I experienced the same thing. And one of the taglines that our trip leader kept saying was that the Bible was written for you, but not to you. And so what the trip did for me is it gave me a deeper understanding of like first century Jewish culture and just sort of like Jewish culture in general, because when, you know, certain things are said or written, you realize you filter it through your own cultural lens and that's really valuable. But when you have an understanding of what that meant to the people like to whom it was spoken, then you just get these rich layers and then Mm. you realize, man... Like, it was profound when I read it, but now that I understand it, it's like there's just so many, there's so much depth and so much richness to Jesus' teachings and, like, the prophets, all of it. Mm-hmm. And then to see almost a longer arc. So you see the connection between, you know, the law and then Jesus coming and then future, you know, stuff in Revelation, just stuff you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, crazy. <laughs> God is really cool, and you can see a lot of stuff in the Bible that, you know, that I didn't see before. So it, like, made Bible study so much more rich, hmm. and I really it appreciate that. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Hmm. So, Ryan, you had this sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get to work on your book? <laughs> Tell so, me about this book yeah. I keep hearing about. Yeah, so I wrote it, like, gosh, is it, like, six years ago now? Um, I wrote a book basically um called with like the idea of withness and like and then i've been trying to edit it for like six seven years it's just been like it was a it was a joy to write it's a chore <laughs> to edit i did not like uh, sit down and critique and wordsmith those things that as so, a former english teacher i get it yeah <laughs> editing yeah. is hard <laughs> so um i'm really grateful for uh john munn has been really helping me with it but oh, then good. i got married he had a kid we both kind of I stopped asking him for help and he wasn't really pursuing me. We just both needed a break, I think, from it. I did not get to work on it, but I, the, the idea of it is that um, 
it's like a life lived with people. So mm. I, one of the things I, I recognize is that in my time of singleness and having a lot of people live with me, I've lived with over 75 people. Oh, my goodness. Um, and yeah. So like in that they've been in my space of living for over like I think it was over a month in some capacity. Right. Like um, that we've shared life together in that kind of level. I forget how I worded it in the book, but like but in that I've realized how much the people that I've invited into my life have shaped me. And so the idea of the book is like a life lived with people and like who I am is a product of like good and bad things that I've experienced. And so every chapter is like living with freedom. And it's a story of like a person who taught me differently about what freedom means or living with like, like isolation and like what, like how I saw like, the, like living on your own and how much that can atrophy your soul and how we're meant for more. And, you know, living with disappointment, like the seasons of disappointment, which was really more about my own disappointment about living with things. And, um, you know, but all like living with failure, living with success, like it's like all things like that, that how these people. And so every chapter kind of focuses on one person or one group of people. And it's very anecdotal. I like to think that it, you know, I think if you appreciate my storytelling and my voice, you'll appreciate it. I don't know that anybody who doesn't know me would have any interest in it. You know, I don't know if it carries that It sounds that kind fascinating, of, yeah. and I think we need so. to get this thing published. <laughs> I, I'm going to try over the, the winter is my really new goal. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have an editor living with you, too, that's by true, the way. That's true. <laughs> you know, what, what I found is that like I put a lot of pressure on the sabbatical to get a lot done, and that was the thing I felt like I needed to let go of, largely because... The summer, I don't want to be behind, like, when I finally have a break, I didn't want to be behind a computer screen. I wanted to be, like, reading and walking and processing. Right, no, that makes sense. When winter comes, I'll buckle in behind a computer and mm-hmm. not miss what, like, I won't feel right. like I wasted my time missing the sunshine. So. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, we are running out of time, yeah. but I want to end with three questions. Awesome. Real quick. Rapid fire. Uh, rapid fire, there you go. So, what is feeding your soul right now? <laughs> Fall's tough as a teacher. (laughs) Oh yeah, coming off of the you know September October craziness, and I was trying to think about that, and I'm like Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is feeding my soul. I think that he's good at that. He is. Ryan pointed at me to make me go first. I didn't have anything to say, and he did it because he doesn't have anything to say. No. I'll say that too. Like I, I love to read, and, and the fall just seems to drown things out. Like, uh, mm. so, but I have been carving out time to hike. I do feel like right. uh, being alone with God in nature is one of the main ways I connect with Him. And I, and if I don't get that, I feel like I'm atrophying. Like, so. Mm. Yeah. I got one. Okay. Okay. So we have been hosting a Chinese intern, mm. and uh, she's. She's an intern at my school, basically. She's a Chinese teacher, but she's come to our school to sort of, like, experience American education. Um, Yeah. So she's been in and out of my classroom, and she also lives with us. I would say that's been feeding my soul in the sense that it's, like, causing me to reflect again about my time in China. And then, again, I just just love – I just love Chinese people. (laughs) They're just so awesome. Mm -hmm. And it's been really fun to – to get to know her and um, you know share share my perspectives perspectives about teaching and kind of get to you know show her around Maryland a little bit to a degree and so that's been that's been neat. That sounds great. Okay, next question: What is your growing edge right now? Like, where is the Lord uh, challenging you, stretching you? Um, I, I feel like for me, um, one of the things that I find myself asking a lot during the season is like or asking the Lord to help me with is like, what is my responsibility and what do I need to let go of? Um, Because I feel I take on a lot of pressure when people ask me to get involved with things that it needs to go well. 
and I don't and I feel like this huge pressure for how it how the results come and and I don't know I've just I, re- recently I've been asking the Lord like what's mine to do what's up to just leave to do and, and even saying to somebody the other night like I like I don't think I can help like I, I you know I don't have the resources to help with the thing that you're asking for right now mm. was like, that's really hard for me to do but like you know I think I somehow I like immediately make it my burden and I'll solve it for that person a lot of times and that's just not something I have the capacity to do like for every situation and and I I don't know where that pressure comes from in me to feel like I have to solve things for people. Um, I think actually the trip really helped with that. Like, uh, you know, like uh, one of the things our trip leader also had said is like, as he talked about the Israelites is you can't help people. You can't shortcut someone's wilderness. Like, you know, like to Ooh, some degree, yeah. yeah, like you know, they're going to go through what they're going to go through as they learn how to depend on the Lord during that season. You can be with them and you can help them, but you can't like, like, like push them out of their wilderness. You know, they're going to have to get journey on that on their own. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a hard. That's a hard it's, lesson. It, I'm not good at it. Let me let me know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I could use a little help yeah. with that too. <laughs> how about you, Kira? Um, I think I've you know spent the last period of time adjusting to you know life here, which has been really good, and kind of figuring out where I fit in the Horizon community, and also figuring out where I fit in my job, and then I think building on that. So like, okay, this is where I complement the things that are already here. How can I grow that? And then also just trusting the Lord for, you know, the next season. Just, um, yeah, I would say that. Kind of like figuring out, I've figured out to a degree where I fit. And then how do I go deeper and build on that, I think. I love that. Because you're on prayer team, too, which we didn't even get to. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to have you back to talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So what is on the horizon for you? Mm. Did you see what I did there? Yeah. Very good. Nice tie-in. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I honestly I feel like so like the fall like I always circle Thanksgiving weekend is like if I can survive till Thanksgiving weekend I can make it because there's just so much to do. But we we've been launching a lot of new things as a church. This podcast it's is been a very busy fall. Absolutely, something I'm really excited about. So that's like definitely something that I I it, I, I get excited about starting things. It's the mm-hmm. 18 things that, that I have to maintain that are often not the most exciting things. So. Um, I'd say, yeah, I think starting some of these new things that we're doing at Horizon, like the podcast, and uh, are things that I'm really excited about. Uh, we're taking another trip. We're going to go somewhere warm in December, which we're really excited about. I'm really excited about because I can't stand the winter. So. Mm. Another tagline from George, the trip leader in Israel, was, we'll see what God gives. <laughs> so he planned to take us to XYZ spot. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So That's I guess right. on the horizon, we'll see what God gives. We'll see what God gives. I like that. That's, That's a good. good place to end. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, aren't they awesome? Thank you for listening in. Thank you, Ryan and Kira, for being here. Thanks I know that everyone's going to love host. you a little bit more. Wow. Uh, if you'd like more information uh, about Horizon, check out our website at horizontowson.com. And thanks so much for joining us on the horizon.